Hey everybody, Marilyn Hughes with the Out of Body Travel Foundation. We have a series of live streams today that I think you're going to find very interesting. Um, right now we're going to be talking about the mystical fall of man. How the fall of man is recorded in different religious traditions in their ancient sacred texts. And you're going to see that all of the live streams I've set up for today are going to follow this theme into uh, how do we then uh, approach it, but we'll deal with them separately. So here we are in the mystical fall of man. Want to remind everyone, please subscribe to our channel. It helps keeps us keep us searchable all over the internet. <clears throat> Secondly, for those who are able, please consider becoming a member. You can click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says join to learn about the different things, uh, different options that you have for membership here. Memberships keep us um, available. It makes it possible for us to be available and to make our resources available to everyone around the world. So again, please subscribe, keeps us searchable. Memberships help us get our stuff out there to everyone in the world who needs it. Hello, Anna Yell. Thank you for joining us today. We are talking about the fall of man as it comes in through many different traditions. Hello, MT. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we are going to follow a series of interesting uh, subjects as in relation to well, if this, then what? If this, then what in our following live streams? So we start right now um, utilizing some information that's contained within this fantastic book I have called The Dictionary of All Scriptures and Myths by G.A. Gaskell. And he has an excellent compilation on the fall of man from not just biblical sources, but ancient Babylonian um, and others. So I'd like to share this with you uh, to get us started. Let me make sure I find the right one. Here it is. Looks like I marked something else another day. I might have to talk about that too. But here we are, the fall of man. And the fall of man is a symbol of the descent of the evolving soul or consciousness from higher to lower planes due to the mind and emotions being attracted by the desires and sensations of phenomenal existence. Through the fall, man exchanges a blissful state of passive receptivity for a condition of active responsibility, becoming thereby a moral being, knowing what is higher and lower. And involved in the struggle between good and evil, during which the potential qualities within him are evolved into actuality. And isn't that like a summation of everything that I try to get across from my mystical and out-of-body experiences about the sole purpose of our human journey being the purification of the soul. And so he starts now with something from the writings of the ancient philosopher Plotinus. And it says, quote, why then does the soul descend and lose knowledge if it's unity with the whole? For the choice is better to remain above. 
So then why does the soul descend and lose knowledge of its unity with the whole? The answer is that the error lies in self-will. The soul desires to be its own and so ventures forth to birth and takes upon itself the ordering of a body which it appropriates or rather which appropriates it so far as that is possible. Thus the soul, although it does not really belong to this body, yet energizes in relation to it and in a manner becomes a partial soul in separation from the whole. Very well explained how we come from the oneness into the multiplicities, that triangle I discuss in Prelude to a Dream, where we come from the one into these many, many personalities, these many, many different sieves of existence. All descent and reascent alike have the necessity of a natural law. The universal law under which the individual falls is not outside, but within each. I want to read that again, because here we're talking about eternal laws. I refer to it, but they're calling it, Plotinus is calling it um, universal law, the universal law under which the individual falls from grace is not outside, but within us. Okay. On a yell. Awesome question and answer. Thank you. John, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And hello. And so then it continues. The fall or descent of the soul to the underworld or lower nature is variously described in the scriptures. From a Babylonian religious text, Babylonian, how cool is this? We read, the evil curse has slain that man like a lamb. His God has departed from his body. His guardian goddess has left his side. He is covered with sorrow and trouble as with a garment and he is overwhelmed. The mind has become a sacrifice to desire. The divine nature is unapparent to the astromental body. Wisdom, its guide, is obscured in the mind and the soul has entered into the lower life of suffering and sorrow. Then the god Marduk, which is uh, Marduk represents the higher self in these ancient Babylonian writings. Uh, but in the Babylonian writings, Marduk is an actual deity. Then the god Marduk is enjoined by the Supreme to become his savior. Quote, take him to the house of purification and remove the spell upon him, unquote. Hello, Andrew, thank you for joining us. And so how interesting is this? that we're seeing that the idea of the fall of man is not just limited to Judeo-Christian belief or the people of the book, as Muslims might call it, which would include people uh, who follow the writings of the Bible. And that would include Jews, Christians, and Muslims. So we're finding that this idea comes from other places as well in these ancient sacred texts. And so the author, G.A. Gaskell, goes on to say, in the development of the causal body, 
or the house is to be found the soul's purification when thraldom to the desire nature will be removed on the attainment of perfection. And from the Upanishads, it says, quote, though a man journey from the perfect to the perfect, yet that which is perfect still remains over and above all. The account of the fall of mind and emotion is given in Genesis 3. Quote, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden, unquote. Gaskell says about this, Now the desire mind, the serpent, is more insidious than any of the simple lower desires or appetites, the beasts, and thus is able to lead the emotion nature astray from the higher intuitions and to divert the vibrations of energy downward to the plane of the desires. And so the emotion nature is drawn to the sense objects. Quoting again from the book of Genesis, it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, Of the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath says, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Gaskell explains this by saying, and the emotion nature surmises that of the sense pleasures, the soul may partake naturally as do animals. But of the fruit of experience, which is the moral nature, the soul cannot partake without incurring the death penalty by entering upon the cycle of evolution, which necessitates the repeated births and deaths of the forms which transitorily embody the soul. Quote, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Gaskell states, then the desire mind represents to the emotion nature that death or extinction shall not supervene for such behavior. For the divine nature knows that when the fruits of action are tasted, experience shall be acquired, which will be the means by which godhood will eventually be achieved through cleaving to the good and shunning evil. Quote, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, unquote. Gaskell then goes on to say, and so when the emotion nature perceives the desirability of descending to the lower planes and sees the beauty of the prospect, and recognizes that this course will be the means of enabling the soul to increase its knowledge, then attachment to the lower life is set up and the results are communicated to the evolving mind um, whereby the mind partakes of new experiences. 
And again, quoting back into the book of Genesis. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Gaskell says, and then it is both the emotions and the mind perceive their utter lack of clothing, which he regards as concepts, their nakedness, which he regards as ignorance, and they become aware of the necessity for further evolution. And their endeavors result in producing an external mental condition which conceals the inward growth <clears throat> of the soul. Fig leaves so applied are also symbolic of secrecy. So then we move to a different set of quotations regarding this fall. And this one is from J.M. Neal in a book that he did on the Book of Psalms. Quote, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil by which man fell, changed into the tree of life by which Satan perished. The fruit of disobedience becoming the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of paradise. The garden whence the first Adam was driven forth replaced by the garden where the second Adam arose from the dead. Unquote. From Alice Gardner, in a book that she wrote called John the Scott, says, quote, To come to man, the microcosm, the human trinity, made in the image of God but fallen from its original glory, Scotus attributes that fall to a self-willed turning away from man's proper nature and first principle of being. And here she's referring to John Duns Scotus, a Catholic theologian in the Middle Ages. In following the story in Genesis, he gives an allegorical interpretation to its several parts. The fall is not regarded as an event in time, nor paradise as a definitive locality. The story of the forbidden fruit is interpreted as the leading away of the mind, the man, by sensibility, the woman, so as to seek pleasure in the things of sense and not in pure wisdom. The punishments inflicted have a hidden meaning. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, points to the efforts necessary for attaining knowledge. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee, promises the ultimate subjugation of sense by reason. The means by which the general restitution is effected is, of course, the incarnation. The logos entering into human nature. The logos is always a term <clears throat> used in mystical texts and mystical theology as God, the word, the divine coming into being. And then returning to the father or first principle, end quote. And so the next quote is from A. Jukes from a book wrote called Types of Genesis, he says, quote, the failure of one thing through grace brings in a better thing. Where sin abounds, grace yet more abounds. 
Thus, that short-sighted wisdom which would prevent falling would by so doing prevent all progress to higher things. For each advancing form of life which God takes up springs out of the failure of that which has proceeded. And here is a quotation from a book entitled The Perfect Way. Quote, Adam represents the person, Eve the soul, and the divine voice, the spirit. So the serpent typifies the astral element or lower reason. What an interesting way to put that, right? Anayel says, just read passages like this from your book, The Primordial Seed. Yes, there are passages in there about this. Exactly. Thank you, Anayel. For this subtle element is the intermediary between soul and body, the fiery serpent whose food is the dust, that is, the perception of the senses which are concerned with the things of time and matter only. So the dust of the earth are the things concerned with the things of time and matter only, is this writer's point. Coming next to the philosophical reading of our parable on the fall, we find that on this plane, the man is the mind or rational intellect out of which is evolved the woman, which is the affection of the heart. That the tree of knowledge represents maya or illusion, the serpent, the will of the body, the tree of life, the divine gnosis or interior knowledge, and the sin which is brought and which brings ruin on mankind, idolatry, which is the adoration of the shadow instead of the substance, which is God, the adoration of the shadow. And, you know, many mystical texts will speak of how we live in the shadow world, in the physical universe. That is what is being referred to here in the perfect way. The next quotations come from the Zohar, the actual Kabbalah, saying, quote, the one. Again, going back to our triangle from one into the multiplicities, right? The one which consists of these two, life and substance, is always putting forth alike the macrocosm of the universe and the microcosm of the individual and is always making man in the image of God and placing him in a garden of innocence and perfection, the garden of his own unsophisticated nature. And man is always falling away from that image and quitting that garden for the wilderness of sin being tempted by the serpent of sense, his own lower element, and from this condition and its consequences, he is always being redeemed by the blood of the sacrifice always being made for him by the Christ Jesus, who is son at once of God and of man, and is always being born of a pure virgin, dying, rising, and ascending into heaven. Before Adam sinned, he went up into and remained in the illuminated wisdom, which is Eden. 
above and was not separated from the tree of life. But when he acceded to the desire to know and to descend below, then he separated himself from the tree of life and knew only the bad and left the good alone." Unquote. And from a sermon given by R.J. Campbell, we have to conclude this thought. I admit that the Genesis story of the fall as it stands cannot reasonably be regarded as history it is not history, it is something better. It is a symbolic statement of certain facts of experience. The whole drama should be removed from the material to the super material world. The paradise of Eden being a figure of man's condition immediately before his descent into matter. Our real fall, speaking of the race as a whole, consists in having to live under conditions wherein the struggle between good and evil is inevitable and unescapable. I say that to have come into a world like this at all is a fall from something higher. It is true that we came up from below, but it is also true that we first came down from above. We are of the eternal. Our true being has never had a beginning and will never have an end. But when man as man entered this world and he had to make acquaintance with something very different, his beginnings then were lowly enough. And as he has been slowly fighting his way upward, back in fact to where he came from, he has been learning tragically the difference between good and evil. So that's a really interesting overview of the Tree of Life. So please join me for our next live stream in just a few minutes where we will continue into some interesting offshoots of this theme. Again, please subscribe to our channel. It keeps us searchable. Please consider becoming a member if you are not already one, as this helps keep our material available for free to everyone in the world. See you in a couple minutes.